You're listening to Get Talking, a podcast aimed at educating and opening up discussion about mental health issues. Here are your hosts, Jason Welch and Christine Howard-Stains. If you got a problem, makes you scream and shout. Maybe there's another way to work it out. Take a breath in and let it out. Get Talking. Welcome back again, everyone. I'm Jason. Um, also going to say hello from Christine because we're going to go straight into it today because we're on a subject that I'm quite interested in, especially when it comes to sleep. So the circadian rhythms, this is going to be our third podcast around sleep. And I'm going to ask straight away, Christine, can you give us a definition? A definition of circadian rhythms? Sure. Yeah. Um, the term circadian, it was actually coined by Franz Halberg, um, and it was in the 1950s. And it's taken from the Latin circa, which means about, approximately, and dies, which is day, and is describing the biological mechanisms that run on a cycle of about 24 hours. So we should think about this definition because circa, about, and dies, day, about a day, already tells us something, doesn't it, that this thing may vary a little bit, you know, in different organisms and person to person. Um, so why don't we just start with some geeky facts? Yep, that's a great idea. And I know that you know I love geeky facts because <laughs> more knowledge and understanding based on science is, I find, always helpful, especially when we're going to try and make changes to our behaviour. Yeah, I agree. I think we're all the same. If we're going to make changes, and changes are sometimes hard, we we want to know that it's for the right reasons. We want to feel confident in the reasons why we're, we're doing this, this thing. Geeky facts. So this rhythm, the circadian rhythm, this mechanism is actually like an internal clock. It, it is a clock, you know. We all have a clock in our bodies, several actually, because it exists in every cell inside us and it's not even just human cells but these clocks are in animal cells plants and even types of bacteria and in turn these are controlled by a master clock in the brain the suprachiasmatic nuclei and this was identified in the 1970s by a group of scientists who you know they did they actually created lesions in this part of the brain in mice and these mice then uh, were found to have lost their circadian rhythm, their you know uh, feeding rhythm, their their body temperature was affected, their activity and sleeping routines were were all lost. So this is how it was was identified. Um, now this clock reacts to environmental cues such as light. So circadian rhythms are considered endogenous. Um, that is, they occur from within our body, but they respond to environmental cues and. And these cues have also been given a name, uh, Zeitgebers. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. It's uh, German. I'm, I'm but, not going to help you on the pronunciation, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but basically, we're talking about light, temperature, and it's also believed uh, redox. And please, please don't buzz me on that <laughs> because <laughs> okay. it's it's about oxidation and reduction you know which are two complementary processes and beyond that my level of understanding is is really you know not there i just know that it's implicated in functioning so 
you know, again, I'm just going to say I've actually read the um, the study on the mice, which I found quite interesting. But what we're saying here is humans and other species actually have an internal body clock that can actually be influenced by outside events. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. We have this 24 hour cycle, but then it, it will adapt to where we are. You know, if we travel across long time distances, it adapts to that new environment. And that period of adaptation is what we feel as jet lag. So it's clear that although we have this clock, it can be, it can be shifted and that depends on the environment that, that we're in. So the clock, going back to the clock's function, establishes when certain events should take place. And this is why it's really important to keep it running smoothly. For example, it's involved in uh, cell clearance and regeneration, hormone release, and, and so on. And it, it's really important. Now, the problem we want to address here is when our behavior and this clock is out of sync. There is actually a diagnosed disorder, circadian rhythm disorder, that's classified into further subtypes in that famous DSM that we talked oh, about last lovely. time. Yeah. <laughs> and but to be diagnosed with this, a person really must be experiencing insomnia and daytime sleepiness and, and, and be distressed by it. So what you're saying there is we can have our circadian rhythm out of sync, but it's not that we've got a disorder as such. Yeah, and that, that's like many of the sort of psychiatric DSM type disorders. It depends on the degree of disturbance. One of the more debilitating subtypes uh, of the circadian rhythm disorders is the non 24 hour type. And that's basically where a person's clock is, is literally not set at 24 hours. And this interestingly is often seen in, in blind people, people who are visually impaired. Okay. So these are uh, complicated um, conditions and, and anyone experiencing these kinds of problems would really need to get specialist help. In this podcast, I want to discuss really when we humans decide to try and function outside of our normal circadian rhythm, not because it's, it's biologically out of sync, but because our daily routine is out of sync with it. Now we're diurnal, therefore we naturally sleep at night, but the night you know, the, the dark can be very long, can't it? You know, in certain parts of the globe and, and at certain times of the year. And in addition yep. to that, we can now shorten the dark artificially with electric lighting. Yeah. And I also want to talk about how society imposes on us that structure since the Industrial Revolution, basically, that generally says that we, we should be sleeping between certain hours, I suppose, People would say between I don't know, 11 and, and 7, 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. But that doesn't suit everyone, does it? I mean, I, yeah, I can hear people now saying 11. I couldn't possibly go to sleep that early or even I can't stay awake that long at the other end of the spectrum. And, and you know, the same with the waking up times. People would be like, 7 o'clock, no chance. I know that my you know, teenagers would be saying that. Or I'm wide awake at five o'clock in the morning. So, Christine, I have to ask you then, do you think you, you're a night owl or a morning lark? I'm a night owl. What about you? I'm definitely a morning lark. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love, okay. I, 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 10 o'clock, I've got to go to bed. Wait, are you serious? Yes, very. 
Right. I wouldn't have imagined that. Okay. Well, I'm definitely night owl. Anyway, uh, less about us. Um, seriously, it's exactly this though. It's this uh, night owl morning lark thing. And does it matter? That's the question. I think we must really be a bit clear about what we mean, which is, do we like to get up early and we function better in the morning? Or do we like to go to bed later and we function better in the afternoons? And can this fit into modern day life? In fact, what we're really talking about here are chronotypes. What is she talking about? Okay. Chronotypes are the individual expression of our circadian rhythm. So exactly what we've just been referring to. It's morningness or eveningness. And there's even a kind of like intermediateness as well. Continue the questions then. Is it fixed or can we change that? It's genetically fixed. It's determined. So we can't change it. We can't change the chronotype as such. So it's better to plan and work around it. So let me summarize that. And correct me if I get any of this wrong. You're saying that the circadian rhythm is a body clock with working within a 24 hour cycle. Yeah. And is affected by external things like light. Yes. Chronotypes are different ways for people to function within that rhythm. Yeah. So it's natural to sleep at night and be active during the day. But for some of us, we're more at more or less active at certain points in the day. Yeah. We're more morningy or we're more eveningy. <laughs> <laughs> Morning owl, night owl, lark. No, that's the wrong way round. <laughs> Morning lark, night owl even. <laughs> Yeah. What time is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're getting tired. Yeah, you Maybe can, it's time for bed, Jason. Yeah, you can certainly see that I'm a morning lark because I'm struggling and it is later in the day. Uh, I'm sorry. It's 20 past four your time, I think. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you know, we're joking, but this is, it's only really a problem, uh, this uh, morningness and um, eveningness, um, if it's interfering with, with functioning and, and relationships. You know, if you're annoying your flatmates because you're watching TV when everyone else is trying to sleep, or if you're going to bed at widely different times to your partner and then disturbing them, plus it's not much good for your love life, or if you're consistently late for work or college because you, you can't get up, then, then it's a problem and then it needs to be addressed. Also, if your sleep-wake cycle results in a shortened sleep, so less than six to seven hours consistently, then you're not going to be functioning well. Um, so going back to that first podcast in, in this series uh, on insomnia and reminding ourselves of the importance of sleep. And I just want to take a little moment to reinforce that, um, if you don't mind. Did you know there's some really shocking statistics about heart attack rates when the clocks change, as they do in certain countries. Okay. Now, the first study was in the United States uh, in 2014. In, I think it was in Michigan, in a, a hospital, a large hospital. And it showed an increase by 24% um, of heart attacks that required angioplasty on the Monday following the spring change in time. That is when the clocks went back and people lost an hour's sleep. 
And conversely, they found a reduction of 21% in the autumn change when people gained an hour in bed. So there were fewer people having heart attacks. Wow, that is actually really, really shocking. Um, yeah. <laughs> many debates on it, but it does beg the question, why do we do it? Um, yeah. You know, why do we change the clocks? Yeah, I know. I know. I think this is a... a a question for governments to to be answering but I, I mean this is one study that i'm quoting but there have been several studies you know since then that that support this and there was a big meta-analysis in 2019 that looked at all these studies together and, and just came to the same conclusion okay well i'm pretty sure we don't need much more persuading that sleep is essential to life and for good uh, mental and and physical health no. so what can we do when our circadian rhythm is out of sync with others or our enforced routine, uh, or more importantly, reduces the quality or quantity of our sleep? And what if our chronotype is not fitting with our lifestyle? Okay, well, first, I would say if you are uh, a bit more of a morning person, a lark, or a bit more of a night person, an owl, and if you can function like this in society and have good relationships and hold down your job and you feel content and you're getting seven to eight hours sleep, then you don't have to do anything. In fact, I find it really annoying, Jason, when people get smug about being early risers and, and treating the night owls as though they're lazy. Well, just because that's you, right? <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> Why are you still in bed? No. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I also think it's not helpful at the other end, you know, for people who make others feel guilty because they don't want to stay up late, you know, making them feel that they're unsociable or, or being straight laced. Well, yeah, I'm not, a lot of things I could say around that, but oh dear, what if, what if you do have to get up early um, and you're a night owl? Then it's about tricking your brain with behavioral changes. So turn the lights down low, follow the advice we gave in the last podcast and try to prepare yourself for sleep from earlier on in the evening. So encourage the release of melatonin by doing this, which induces sleepiness. Equally in the morning, open up the curtains when you wake up. Actually, I, I'm in a bit of a routine where I make myself a coffee and then I get back into bed, but I open the curtains and the windows in the summer and try and make the room as bright as possible. And I sit there and sort of quickly check my emails, drink my coffee, and then I'm up and I'm ready and I'm wide awake. So it's just, you know, encouraging your your body to, to recognize that it's time to get up by creating more light and at bedtime making it darker. So signal via your eyes, in other words, and then uh, and your general behavior that it's time to sleep or time to get up. Over time, uh, with this, we can change our internal clock just the same way, you know, that we do when we move time zones, as I mentioned earlier. Um, now, in terms of chronotype, it's a little different. It's about adapting your day accordingly because that is fixed. So, for example, and I hope no one from my tennis club is listening. I don't know why I'm, whisp uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm whispering now as if they can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> but I always try to plan my matches in the late morning or the early evening 
because that's when I'm at peak performance. Uh, okay. Tactics. <laughs> I'm sounding like I'm some super sportswoman. I'm really not. I know. I've, I just play for pleasure. I'm, I'm not that great. Uh, but, you know, I like to try and win. Anyway, for others, they might be better doing their physical exercise in the morning. So it's good to make a note of the times of day where you know that you function better at certain tasks and then try and plan around that. As I kind of said, I am de- definitely the opposite. Um I need to when I run I need to run in the morning I find it really really difficult to run in the evenings right wow okay so if we ever play tennis I'm going to challenge you uh in the evening okay well, I think you'd win anyway because I can't yeah. play tennis but yeah. <laughs> okay you're safe right. you could play me first thing in the morning and I'd still lose <laughs> oh, oh I'm not sure um anyway just going back to that sort of chronotype thing that there's actually some really interesting evidence on this and 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 school and and studying there's some evidence believe it or not that science and maths is better learned at certain times of the day but actually language learning seems pretty consistent that doesn't vary much over the day so it's it's complex you know it's complicated so i just say that all we need to know is recognizing when we have that lull and recognizing when we're more energized and and don't fight that you know try and work around it so that for me begs the question what about catnaps yeah that's a good question i think it was actually one of our three top tips in an earlier podcast one of the original podcasts now if you're a night owl and you've been up since seven o'clock in the morning and you want to go to the gym in the early evening then yeah take a catnap it's a perfect solution just set an alarm so you don't oversleep and risk entering that deep sleep that we've talked about, which makes people very groggy. And don't do it too close to bedtime, maybe just after lunch. I mean, literally 10 minutes, you know, set an alarm for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe. And that's enough. Okay. So the message is quite clear. Don't mess with the circadian rhythm. Yeah. Your body clock is is part of a finely tuned system that keeps you functioning well. So sometimes we have to adjust it because we move time zones, but we should try and work within it. You sleep, you know, when it's when it's dark and you're active, you know, during during the day. Right. So you're saying there you can shift your circadian rhythm, but accept that the need for sleep and how this is best achieved. Uh, I guess we need to identify your chronotype and don't fight against it. Uh, yeah try to adapt your daytime schedule if that's at all possible yeah yeah that's a perfect summary and on that last point when people find themselves in a situation that's less than perfect in terms of their chronotype maybe focus on other ways that you can take care of your mind and body such as a good diet plenty of exercise a good social life meaningful projects in life kindness all the things that contribute to good mental and physical health all the things we've talked about before yes yeah yeah people can go back and and we've covered a lot of those those things in in our earlier podcasts indeed but sticking with this one there's one thing we haven't clarified that is how much sleep is enough and there's a lot of different advice out there but what would you say is the current thinking okay six hours minimum nine hours maximum so seven to eight is good for most people. And okay, this shifts with age, but we're going to talk about this in, in a later podcast. 
So there is a maximum. You actually can get too much sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's evidence of shortened lifespans when people sleep more than nine hours. After saying that, we're not actually designed to stay asleep that long. And most of us would have pretty hard time trying to sleep more than nine hours, you know, um, as adults. Um, it's much more likely that what people are doing is they're just staying in bed and dozing, dozing in and out, you know, of REM sleep or light sleep. So really, you could be getting up. Yep. It's unclear why people have shortened lifespans who spend too much time in bed. There is a thought actually amongst the, sp the sleep specialists that it's more likely representing a mood state such as depression. Yep. Um, although I must clarify, there is actually a condition called hypersomnia, which describes people who sleep more than nine hours on a regular basis and then also feel tired during the day. And this is more likely to be due to an underlying sort of medical condition and that will require professional assessment. But again, look at the bigger picture. If, for example, you're an athlete and you're sleeping nine and a half hours, but you're functioning really well and you're not nodding off during the day, then that's probably okay for you. Yep. Personally, I view too much sleep as, as problematic, like being too sedentary at work. You yep. know, my body needs to keep moving for good circulation, for good joint health and so on. But to answer your question, yeah, the evidence would suggest that just like we can eat too much and we can drink too much, we can sleep too much. Finally, Christine, what about people working nights or shift workers? And again, I, I don't want us to be kind of scaremongers here, but some people don't have a choice. No, they don't. I mean, working nights and shifts is, is not really ideal, but you're right. We don't want to be scaremongers. We need night, night workers in hospitals and so on. And for those people, it's it's about ensuring that their, their brains, those suprachiasmatic uh, nuclei, are getting the right messages. So, you know, by keeping a regular schedule and limiting light when it's time to sleep, limiting alcohol intake just before bed and not eating too late, all the things that we've discussed in this, in this uh, podcast uh, series. It's not yeah. impossible to manage night work, um, but it requires a little bit more creativity. So how do you create darkness in the middle of the day? Well, you know, blackout curtains. How do you reduce noise? Well, wear earplugs. Yeah. And if you can fool your brain that it's time uh, to sleep and you can get the right amount of sleep, then you'll be fine. I think it's actually more difficult for shift workers where the hours are not consistent. It's harder for them to do that. But, you know, this is something yeah, that yeah. maybe people should try and avoid, you know, for long periods in, in their lives. Okay, so... Thank you, Christine. I think that, again, it's time to kind of wrap up for, for this episode. But once again, uh, before we go, it's time for three top tips. Three top tips. So three top tips at the end of this, uh, this um, episode on circadian rhythms. Right. Number one, white noise. I haven't mentioned this earlier, but I'm mentioning it now because I think it's a really good tip for people who have difficulty falling asleep because of noises that are um, outside of their control at night. So it might be a snoring partner or it could be um, that they live close to a road and there's traffic noise or there are barking dogs. White noise 
helps the brain to sort of filter out those external disturbances. And uh, you can get white noise uh, for free. Uh, you can download it. If you've got a smartphone, there are apps. Um, if you, you can download podcasts that, that give you white noise. Or you can buy little, little machines. They're quite inexpensive, but I would highly recommend them. Top tip number two, try and recognize your chronotype and try to sort of work with it, with your chronotype rather than against it. So if that means taking a cat nap in the afternoon, if that's needed, if that's you, if you have a lull in the afternoon, then try and take a cat nap. There's nothing wrong with that. And finally, number three, keep the bedroom cool. Turn off the central heating at night. You're better having an old fashioned hot water bottle or, or even an electric blanket on low than you are having the heating on and uh, the body temperature needs to fall for good, effective, restorative sleep. And so having the room too warm is not healthy. There you go. Those are my three top tips. So Jason, I think that's uh, the end of this uh, this uh, third yes. podcast. And um, Indeed. I just want to say I hope the listeners are uh, enjoying this and this new f shorter format. And just to let you know that we are still going to be covering you know, all the material that we think is important. Um, you know, the next podcasts are going to be covering issues like sleep through the ages, you know, so problems that younger children may have with sleep or teenagers or older adults. We're going to cover stress. And I particularly want to dedicate that to women because I think women tend to lose sleep more than men. Again, there's a, a lot of statistics around that. Women tend to worry more at night when they should be asleep. Um, and so we're going to talk about that and, and strategies for dealing with, with those things. Um, and then we're going to look at some, you know, specific sleep disorders. So that's all, all to come. Excellent. Okay. But for now, I, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. Go and have a little catnap, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, bye for now. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please contact us through our website, www.gettalkingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's all for now, and we hope you join us again for our next episode.